we're in this series called Into the Wilderness, and uh, again, we planned this last fall, and so we had no idea what we'd be going through uh, as a church, as a country, as a nation, uh, as a world, uh, as we're going through this new reality for all of us. But this series has been so encouraging to hear so many of you and how you're processing with it. Um, even as we're scattered as a church, it's been so encouraging to see how you are all connecting. I love seeing the, the pictures of these Zoom calls of life groups meeting. Um, even this week, I uh, was calling someone uh, from our congregation who is over a certain age, and so I just wanted to call to check on her. I'm not going to tell you her name, but uh, over the age of 70, and I was checking in, just seeing, how are you doing? How's your health? Is there anything you need? And it was so encouraging when she said, I feel great. Does anyone in Seacoast need anything? I'm here. I'm ready to serve. And, and those little things just encouraged my heart to see how, though we're scattered, the church is still being the church. Loving each other, reaching our community, investing in uh, others outside of who we are for the sake of the gospel. So this has been an interesting time, but in the wilderness there are times when God is still at work. Even though we might be thinking we have no idea what's going on. You know, in the wilderness this week, our theme is it's a time of questions, a time of doubt. And, and sometimes in the wilderness, you know, uh, we talked a few weeks ago of when Israel left Egypt, they were in slavery and they were on their way to the promised land. But sometimes God doesn't let us just go from the prison to the promised land. Sometimes there's a desert in the way. And really, when God is taking us through that desert, through that wilderness, there's things he wants us to learn. And so even in these times when we have questions, maybe questions like, God, are you really there? God, why is this happening? Did I do something to deserve this? Lord, are, what are you doing in this situation? All of these questions that come up are natural in the wilderness. And today what we want to explore is what does it mean? to question God. How can we do that in a healthy way? Is it even okay to doubt or to question? And we want to explore that today. Because I want to propose to you actually that questions and doubts are actually a normal part of a life of faith. I actually think that your questions and your doubts actually are things that can help us grow. In fact, when we look at the great men and women of faith all throughout scripture and throughout history, Many of them had questions about God. They had questions about faith. They even had doubts in their heart. From the very beginning of Scripture, we find in the book of Genesis, Abraham and Sarah in chapter 17 and 18 were promised a new son in their old age. Abraham, who's known as the father of faith, the one who had this great faith in God, doubted and questioned him. Kind of said, God, really, I, we can't have a son in our old age. I'm not sure you can pull this off. We look at Moses, who's an, another great figure in the faith. He led the nation of Israel out of slavery. He led them on their way to the promised land. And when we get to the book of Numbers, chapter 11, in verse 11, the, the people have been miraculously receiving this manna from heaven, and then they started complaining. We're kind of tired of eating manna every day. What else do you have? And in chapter 11, verse 11 of the book of Numbers, Moses questions God. He says, God, why did you call me to this? Why did you bring me here? Why did you make me have to journey with these people? It would have been better if I just died in Egypt. Why am I going 
through this, Lord, what are you up to? See, our questions can be very normal. Even in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 3, we find that uh, there's this character named John the Baptist. John the Baptist actually was a, a cousin of Jesus, and he grew up probably hearing the stories of, of the miraculous birth of Jesus and the prophecy that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. In fact, we found that John actually baptized Jesus, and when Jesus came, he said, here is one in whom his sandals I'm not even fit to untie. This person who's coming, this Jesus, is the Son of God. It's truly who he is, and he baptized Jesus. And when Jesus was baptized, a voice from heaven, the Father from heaven, said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him. John got to witness this. I mean, at that moment, John, everything that he believed about Jesus was confirmed. Even, I imagine what it had been like for John the Baptist growing up and going to family reunions and Jesus is there. And you're playing baseball and he throws his best curveball and Jesus always hit it. Or, or, or you're playing Monopoly and he always ended up owning Boardwalk and Park Place. And every time John came around that last corner and rolled the dice, he landed on Boardwalk. And th- that's actually not in the Bible. But imagine what that had been like, that John's always like, there's something about you, Jesus. I wonder if it's true. And he had this great moment when Jesus was baptized where everything he believed about him was confirmed. And then Matthew chapter 11 happened. In Matthew chapter 11, John is sitting in prison. He's about to be killed. He's going to have his head chopped off. And he questions and he sends his disciples to Jesus and says, I just want to know, are you the one we've been waiting for? Are you the one? Or should we be expecting someone else? See, we find there are times in our lives in the wilderness where questions are normal. When doubts are natural, even someone like John, who knew for sure, still said, I just, I just want to know. And so the first thing that I want to challenge you or encourage you with today is in the wilderness with our questions, we find that honest questions cultivate authentic growth in our lives. Honest questions with God actually cultivate authentic growth. See, sometimes if we ignore those questions that come up, if we ignore those doubts, sometimes our faith actually becomes less authentic. We're not actually dealing with those and wrestling with it. But when we really can come to God with those questions like John the Baptist did, are you really the one? Are you the one we're expecting? When we come to those questions, often we get these answers. Jesus responded to him and said, just go tell John this. The lame can walk, the blind can see, the deaf can hear. Miracles are happening. Just tell him that. Reassure him. You know, I used the illustration before of a stool. And sometimes we talk about faith. And, and you know, I can look at the stool. This isn't the nicest stool at Seacoast. This has seen some days. And I'm faced with a question that do I believe that this stool can hold me up? Do I have faith enough to trust this? And 
I can ask those questions. I can wonder about this stool. But I want you to know that just because I question it, just because I'm asking about the stool, that doesn't change anything about this stool. See, just because we question God, just because we wonder if he's real, it doesn't change anything about his nature. My level of belief in the effectiveness of this stool doesn't change whether this can hold me up or not. My questions about God don't change whether he is God or not. It may change some of my experience with him, my ability to step out in faith, which we'll talk about in a moment. But the questions, it's not offending the stool. It doesn't make God smaller when we wrestle with these things. And so these honest questions can lead to authentic faith. You know, there's another part of our faith and our questions that are really important. And I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of John chapter 20. And in John chapter 20, actually, we see another element of questioning God. We actually see doubt. And we're introduced to one of the disciples named Thomas. And and here's the scene. Jesus was crucified on Friday. He rose again on that Easter Sunday. He... uh, Some of the female disciples ran to the tomb. They saw that it was empty. The angels told them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus is risen. He's not here. They went and told the disciples. Peter went to the tomb, saw the empty tomb, and said, Jesus, he's he's alive just like he said he would be. Well, later on, the disciples were all gathered together, and Jesus appeared to them. He said, peace be to you. And he showed them his scars and said, I really am alive just as I said. But you see, in that meeting, one of the disciples was missing. Thomas wasn't there. Later, Jesus left and Thomas came back to the house. I think they sent him out to find some eggs and it took a few stores. Every store was out of eggs until he came back and said, guys, you wouldn't believe it. It took me like eight stores to find these eggs. Again, that part's not necessarily in the Bible, but... He was gone. He returned. And everyone was staring at him and they had a new glow about them. They had something that just happened and they said, Thomas, you just missed it. Jesus was here. He really did rise from the dead. And in John chapter 20, starting in verse 24, it says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, He was not with them when Jesus came. So when the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord, Thomas said to them, unless I see his hands and I see the imprint of the nails and I put my finger into the place of the nails and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. In this moment, the second bit of truth that I want to encourage you with today is this. That first of all, the healthy or honest questions leads to and cultivate authentic growth. But healthy doubt leads to a firm faith. Healthy doubt can lead to a firm faith. Now let me explain. I, I think there's a couple kinds of doubt. One, there's a doubt that actually leads to pride. That's not the doubt I'm talking about. The doubt that leads to pride is is the doubt that kind of says, if if Thomas had said, you know what, even if I see Jesus, even if I touched his hands, it it just doesn't make any logical sense that he would be alive. I won't, I just, I can't believe it. it, No, 
That's not how the world works. I can't believe him. That's a doubt that actually leads to pride. And I I know I'm generalizing. There's a lot to it. But I've talked with so many people who just can't reconcile their belief or understanding of how God should be and how the world should work. And because it doesn't seem to jive with how they want it to work, they would say things like, well, I just can't believe in God because there's pain and suffering in the world. I just can't believe in God because I, I, I don't understand some of the teachings and it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't work culturally. And again, I don't want to diminish those questions. Some of you are wrestling with those and you have those same thoughts. And those are okay thoughts to have. But I want to encourage you, church. Don't have the doubt that leads to pride that says nothing will convince me of this truth. Nothing will convince me otherwise because God needs to fit. It just doesn't make sense that God would be one way that I just can't get my head around. That's a doubt that leads to pride. You know, there's an author named Alex McClellan. He actually is a local author, originally from Scotland, and he wrote a book about the jigsaw puzzle of life, kind of explaining how the world is kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. And trying to understand God is this puzzle that sometimes you don't get all the pieces to a puzzle. But when we put enough pieces together, you can start to get a picture, even with major holes in the the story, you can still get a sense of, yeah, there's something at play here. And McClellan goes on to argue that that's often how life works. There's some unanswered questions we have in this world. But we want to be people with even our skeptics, even our skepticism and our doubt about how God is working. We want to be honest and have some intellectual honesty with it to say, well, there's enough pieces here that's kind of leading us to believe that maybe God is real. Maybe he's working even in the season of wilderness. So you can have doubt. You can even throw out all your questions to God. But let's be people who doubt but have a doubt that doesn't lead to pride. But let's have a doubt that leads to praise. A doubt that's willing to say, you know, I just don't get this, but I want to see how you're at work, God. Look how Thomas responds here. Or look what happens next. He says, I won't believe unless I see Jesus and and, and touch his wounds. And then after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them and Jesus came. Now, Eight days, in this case, was a long time in the wilderness. Eight days may not sound like a long time, unless we're talking to some of you parents who are at home with toddlers on lockdown. Eight days is a long time. Unless you're some of the families who have all of your your teenagers home who are used to being out with their friends, playing sports, involved in school. We never see them, but now on lockdown, we're all at home all the time together. Eight days is a long time. Thomas is seeing the whole world turned upside down. The, the belief that Jesus has risen from the dead is spreading like wildflower fire. We even see that later we hear that Jesus appeared to 500 people. The message of Christ and his resurrection is spreading. And Thomas is saying, I still have not heard. I haven't seen him for myself. So here Jesus appears in the room. Can you imagine this? I mean, this is one of those stories that I, I would pay to be there. 
How great would that be? I mean, Thomas just earlier said, I won't believe, I just don't believe it. I don't believe that Jesus rose unless I stick my hand in the side of his wound and feel the wounds, I won't believe. And now here Jesus is, he shows up. Wouldn't you love to be there? Can you imagine Jesus see Thomas and just kind of, sup? Heard you were talking about me. I mean, I picture one of those junior high fights where one kid hears the other one like, I heard you said you were going to beat me up. Let's, let's go. Now, maybe your junior high friends were different than mine, but that's, that's what I picture in my head. Jesus shows up like, so Thomas, heard you wanted to feel the, my scars. I heard you wanted to take your hand and, and put it on my wound in my side that's healing. Come on, Thomas, come do it. Come touch the wounds. See, in this moment, we see that Thomas had a doubt that didn't lead to pride, but a doubt that led to praise. When Jesus does that, Thomas responds. In verse 28, he answers and he says, My Lord and my God, you really are who you say you are. You really are here. And his doubt was turned to praise. You know, people often ask me, do you ever doubt? Are you just 100% convinced that everything in the Bible is real and God's real and what you teach is true? Do you ever doubt? I got to tell you that doubt is a regular part of my faith journey. I mean, I studied religion and in University of Washington. I remember sitting in class and talking about the Bible. That wasn't a place where they were using, uh, they were not basing this on a real belief in the Bible. They were just talking about it. I studied at Hebrew University in Israel. That was a secular university looking at the Bible not as truth but as literature. And so I often read scripture and wonder things like, God, did it really happen that way? Is this metaphor? Is this real? Did you really do that? Can I trust this? It's just a part of my regular rhythm. Even the fact that Week after week, I get to teach this to you. Now, I want to tell you, I teach it with confidence. I believe it, but those questions of doubt come in. There's even times I think, God, if you're not real, would you just tell me? Because I wouldn't mind having Sunday mornings back. might be kind of cool to have every weekend with my family. I mean, if you're not there. You know, it's in those moments even those moments of doubt that I have, I feel like God gives me answers. Sometimes it might be, hey Ryan, do you remember that high school student who was addicted to drugs and his life was going downhill, his family was falling apart, he was put into a drug rehab and you got to meet with him? You saw him give his life to Christ and his life was turned around. He broke the addiction and found freedom in Jesus and now he's someone who can project hope and peace to others. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was me at work. Do you remember that family that their marriage was on the brink of disaster? They were one second away from everything falling apart and they said, we're gonna try one more thing. We're gonna give our lives to Christ and we're gonna humble ourselves and we're gonna learn to forgive and we're gonna learn to walk with Jesus in this process and now the marriage is strong and they're an encouragement to others. Do you remember that? That's me at work. Do you remember do you remember that one family when the mother was an alcoholic and wasn't present with her kids or with her husband and for years and years and years struggled until finally I broke through 
I broke through and her life was transformed and now she's there as a loving mother engaged with her family redeveloping this relationship with her husband and there's new life that came from me. I did that, Ryan. See, there's times when our doubt comes, creeps in and God wants to give us answers. He wants to give you answers today. So I just, how do we respond? I want to give you some ideas of how we can respond. How can we hear from God in these moments? And just a, 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 some ideas for you. The first one is this. We can respond by, with our questions and with our doubt. One, by having the right process. What do I mean by that? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. See, Jesus didn't just say, just ask your questions and leave it there. He actually says, ask, seek, and knock. Seek out the answers. Try to find the truth. You know, there's, if you're a skeptic, if you're a cynic, if you're wondering about truth, you know, you are not alone. There's some great men and women of faith who've been searching for answers for a long time and have written really great materials. Seek, if you have questions, ask, but then seek answers. Seek after those answers. You know, I think of, when I look at this stool, if I just question if it's real, I may never fully experience the strength of it. See, but when I ask, and then I seek, and I knock, I, I enter this process where I say, you know, God, I, stool, can you hold me up? And sometimes you need to get to this point where you have to just get on the stool. <laughs> this might not be enough. Stool, can you hold me? And then you, you want to take the next step and you want to see, stool, can, can you handle me? Can you hold me here? See, we want to ask, God, are you there? Are you real? But then we want to seek answers. We want to knock. We want to open the door. We want to say, help me, God. Step out in faith. Test him. See if he walks with you in this journey. So we want to start, our response has to be with the right process. Ask, seek, and knock. Secondly, we want to hang out with the right people. The right people. I'll get down because I know some of you are nervous right now with me standing up there. But as I come down here, I want to talk about the right people. What I mean by that is look what Thomas did. He was doubting, he was questioning, but he was still hanging out with the disciples who all believed that Jesus was real. You know, some of us, and I've seen it so many times, when we question and wonder if God is real, when we have the doubts, sometimes we surround ourselves only with people who also doubt, who are also skeptics, who also don't believe. I want to encourage you to surround yourself with people who do believe. And you might say, well, you just want us to get more propaganda. You just want us to hear what you want us to hear. Well, I say it differently. Especially young people. Let's say you're away at college and you're questioning your faith. I want to encourage you to join a campus group that's studying scripture and believing in Jesus. Join a church that's near your campus. Hang out with people who still believe. You can still have your questions. Still hang out with those who are questioning too. I'm not saying that that's all e they're all evil. I'm just saying you can choose to hang out with people who will say, 
things like this world is all random. We're created from space dust. We've evolved from a a single cell organism. And basically, there's not a lot of purpose in this life. One day, we're all going to die and return to the dust. There's not much to our existence. So the best we can do is be kind to one another. You can hang out in that circle. And again, these are intelligent, great people, many of them. But let's not forget that we believe the world is bigger than that. I don't happen to believe that life is without purpose. I think that for 10,000 years or more of that we have evidence of civilization and people processing life, there's this, this common thread throughout all of humanity that this question that says, isn't there something more? There seems to be a divine being at the center, at the beginning of all of this. And, and Humans for thousands of years have processed this. See, there's something inside us that knows that we're connected to a creator. So when we question, make sure you're having the right process, but also hang out with the right people. Make sure that you're around people of faith as you, con- as you doubt, as you question. Let them walk with you in that journey. And please, I'm not saying just have faith, just believe, don't worry. No, seek answers. Have tough conversations. Our God can handle your questions. He wants to meet you where you're at with your personality. So we have the right process. Hang out with the right people. And finally, let's pray the right prayer. What do I mean by that? In Mark chapter 9, verse 24, there's a story of a father with his son. And his son had been sick since, he, since birth. And he saw Jesus and he said, Hey Jesus, if you are able to heal my son, would you do that? Jesus looked at this father and said, What do you mean if I'm able? And, and I love the Greek word there. The Greek word is actually the same word that we get our word dynamite from. It, Jesus actually said to him, what, Do you mean if I have the same power of, of, of like dynamite? If I'm able Jesus said, the question isn't if. He went on to say, anything is possible for those who believe. Again, that same word. The power of God, the dynamite of God is available to anyone who believes. If you just open your eyes and see, you'll see how I'm at work. And then the father of the son offered a statement to Jesus I want to encourage us with. And it's a prayer that we should all be praying. He said, Jesus, I I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. See, when we have the right process, hang out with the right people, we need to end with the right prayer. God, help me with my unbelief. There's times when I will struggle to believe that you are who you say you are. There's times I'll struggle to believe I am who you say I am. There's times that I think that maybe your grace isn't enough to forgive me for my sins. There's times I think, well, maybe you weren't the son of God who came to rescue and redeem your creation. Maybe you're not making all things new. These are thoughts that creep into my mind and maybe some of yours. And often I'm brought back to that simple statement, well, God, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. Today, some of you may need to just give that simple prayer. As I look around at a world that feels out of control, God, I want to believe you're in control. Help me in my unbelief.
Reveal yourself. Show up. Help me to believe who you really are. You know, our questions and our doubts, they don't scare God. They don't make him turn his back on you. In fact, I believe when you question and seek after him, he runs to you even more and more. So let's be encouraged. Even in a time of wilderness, in a time of unknown, a time when our questions of our mi- in our minds are raging, our God is waiting to meet you in this wilderness, in your questions and in your doubt. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this time. I thank you that even though we're scattered and we're in different places, I thank you that you're present with us and that we are not alone, that there's a whole church family together. And God, I thank you that even when we question you and wonder if you're real, that even in those moments, Lord, even in those moments, you meet us here. You walk with us with your grace, with your patience. So would you increase our belief? Would you help us in our unbelief? Lord, would you bring comfort where we need comfort? And I want to speak to any of you right now who've never given your life to Christ, never made a decision for Christ. Maybe for you today, you're ready to make that decision. Maybe you've been in the wilderness and you're feeling a lot of doubt. And you say, you know what? Maybe today I want to take that step. Jesus, help me in my unbelief. If that's you today, would you pray with me? Pray this prayer. Just pray, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Help me in my unbelief. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I ask you to bring new life into me and make me whole. Lead me, Jesus, as a new creation. Meet me in my doubt. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name.